think Joe Flacco is actually a very elite quarterback. I would say absolutely he is an elite quarterback. Tom Brady has my vote for the greatest to ever lay some up. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. She got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. I'm supposed to be a franchise, but we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of End of Regulation. Episode 29, the World Series Preview. We've got a special show for you all tonight. Back with a full crew in the stew after a little hiatus in Columbia. Let's go ahead and introduce the players. Mr. Barrel Chess Grimes coming to you live from San Francisco. How we doing, kid? Doing good, fellas. Just fresh back from New York City. It's good to see you guys are so live and well. Uh, hope East Columbia Coast, was East great. Coast. East Coast, East Coast. That's right. Love to hear it. Well, the next cat is on the edge of his seat as he watches his very own Boston Red Sox play in the World Series. We'll get there later. Mr. Tommy Lasagna, how we doing? Uh, yeah, you said it. I'm excited. Sox are up one nothing, and uh, we're looking to keep that rolling tonight. Very nice. And lastly, mi amigo de Colombia. <laughs> Mr. Brent Jernigan. I'm pretty sure that's improper uh, Spanish, but Shakes, how we doing, kid? I'm fucking up. Oh, BN, BN, SBN, SBN. SBN, SBN. <laughs> you, know, you know how it goes. Goes to uh, Columbia so once. Yeah. The only phrase they know what to say is SBN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really just. No, I know how to say, I also know how to say Quantos. How, mu- how much? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 goes, that goes a long way. So, uh, how you say black in Espanol? Negro. You said it, not me. It was That's a good all you time. Need to know. And El Baño, Agua, uh, you know. Uh, Happy to right, be well, back. In all though. seriousness, for those of you who don't know, this is End of Regulation, the podcast that brings you all the biggest stories in sports and entertainment, hot takes based on facts and stats, not opinions and favoritism. We want to bring you the sports and entertainment coverage that you want and deserve, not what generates the most buzz or clicks. So in order for us to help you get off, we need you to go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and make sure that you go check out our newly released website. It's on our Instagram. You will not be disappointed. Check out Mr. Tommy Lasagna's very own piece on the World Series preview. We'll get into that tonight. So let's go ahead and jump into the agenda. As I have mentioned multiple times already, we'll be talking about the World Series, the MLB, and what's going on going into game two. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL, CFB, jump into some banner to entertain you guys at the very end, and then throw out some buzzer beaters to close us out. So while he sits just dripping in Boston attire, we'll go ahead and turn the, the mic drip, over baby. to the MLB World Series preview starring Mr. Tommy Wells. Thank you. Thank you, one and all. Thank you for being here. Uh, I don't know if it's much of a World Series preview because I told you all at the beginning of the year Boston would be here. Uh, but uh, hum- humble brag here, definitely go check out our article on how the season's going to turn out, or the series, excuse me, uh, because I pretty much called how game one was going to go. Uh, Alex Cora makes a late inning decision to substitute Eduardo Nunez, and sure enough, Eddie fucking bombs one 
over the Green Monster. Sox win. Sox cover. So, I mean, you missed out one night in game of uh, free money, so don't miss tonight's game and as well as the rest of the series. Uh, I've been humble most of this season about the Red Sox. We're going to fucking... It's going to be Sox in five. Sox in five or Sox in six. There's no way around it. Oh, or maybe Sox in seven. Just no, why don't you cover all your bases there, Tom? It's not. It's not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> pick one and go. Pick one and go with it, you pussy. Socks and four. All right then. Let's I, go. I think uh, right socks and four. They're actually tied at one right now. Bottom of the fourth. Tom, but, I, th- uh, I think I saw. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be socks. Tom, I think That's I saw that. I, I think I saw in the last three World Series that the Red Sox have been in. They're twelve and two. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean they've had. A good couple of runs there the last couple times around, but what surprises me most about this team is like the the trek that we took through the AL. Like we drew the Yankees in the wild card, and for all intents and purposes, they're probably you know the second best or third best team in the AL. And then we beat the the Astros, who were probably the second or third best. Like we played the probably two most complete teams in baseball, and any team that was to make it out of the NL doesn't really stack up to the American League. That's like the trend that we've seen all season. The you know, the National League was kind of kind of more like, you know, battle it out, a lot of evenly matched teams. I think the Brewers had the best of the the best record in the NL and they only won like 96 games. The Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros all won 100 plus games. And we and we beat both of them and we swept them both at their home fields. Like I, I I don't see how a trip to, you know, L.A. in the winter time or the fall, it's like winter time in Boston right now, is, is going to stop this team or slow them down by any means. And I just don't think L.A. has the pitching staff to back it up. Uh, Brent and or Harrison, do either of you guys have any insight on what L.A. needs to do in order to get this done, or even make this Brent, a serious, uh, a competitive Brent. series? Uh, yeah, I would I would say pray. Uh, I mean they've they they looked pretty impressive last night. I mean they they obviously kept it competitive. It was like four three or four four at one point in the game. Uh, Boston broke it open late, but uh, they put they put the bat on the ball plenty of times. Uh, they have tons of talent defensively. Obviously Machado was making all kinds of plays last night. I had a huge night at the plate himself. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I just think someone like, you know, Boston's lineup is just going to eat fucking Rich Hill's old ass, like, alive. You know what I mean? Like, they just, like Tom said, they just do not have the pitching to keep up. Kershaw is a big name, but beyond that, um, Boston is just too good. Harry, any thoughts on the World Series? No, man. Uh, offensively, <laughs> offensively, man, L.A. just doesn't stack up. I was looking at the lineups last night before Game 1 started. And just get Matt Kemp the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah, it, I mean, you got like Peterson and Machado and Puig and Justin Turner, but top to bottom, man, the Red Sox, I don't know how any pitcher, you know, and you saw it last night with Kershaw, like, there's no pitcher in the MLB that can go three up, three down against that Red Sox lineup. Um, you know, that's that's just a, you know, a very, uh, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible because it's just the truth. You know, they're just, they're, yeah. they're offensively just stacked and, and, uh, even they were pulling guys off the bench last night, and you saw Eduardo Nunez, like an absolutely just perfect play by Alex Cora, um, just perfectly executed, could not have gone any better, getting that three-run home run to pretty much just put the nail in the coffin for for uh, game one. Yeah, for sure. 
uh, I, a lot of in my my write up, I attributed the success to Cora, and I'm just you know I'm glad to see that's how it it turned out. It was a deci- another decision made by Cora. Well, um, always hate to have to be in a position where you are <laughs> rooting for Boston. However, it's looking like that's the way this is going to wrap up. Like Tom said, for the last six months, uh, Boston and five. So we'll go ahead and close that out. Make sure to keep you uh, keep po- yourself posted on our website. Tom will have some more write-ups uh, as the series continues and as we get towards the end uh, and when we reign the champ. So let's go ahead and transition right into the NFL. We've got a little bit of trade deadline talk as well as a week eight rundown. Uh, and obviously, as always, our beating the bookie segment uh, where Tom and Harry and Brent will talk to you a little bit about where the money line is, put some money in your pockets, take a girl out, you know how it is. It's all about <laughs> <Hey>. getting off. <laughs> all right, so let's dive right into it. Um, we're talking a little bit about the trade deadline. There's obviously some big names that are still on the table. Uh, we have posted, obviously, viciously on our Instagram about breaking news with uh, big-name players that have also been traded. Um, some of those that are on the table, Le'Veon Bell, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod, I should say, Taylor. Tyrod. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about these guys. Um, where you guys think the, they might end up if they're going to stay where they are now? Um, what their future is looking like? Uh, I don't think Le'Veon uh, is going to be traded anywhere at this point. Um, you have to you have to be signed um, to be traded as it is, and basically he's. At this point, he's going to hold out until after the trade deadline. Come back and start playing football and be safely a Steeler for the for the rest of the year. So I think he's pretty much safe. I saw I saw Juju uh, Smith Schuster uh, bought a bunch of lottery tickets in hopes to win the that billion dollar jackpot to try to pay for Le'Veon to come come back. <laughs> Thought that was pretty interesting. Good waste of fucking money. And also, it shows you where his head's at, too, right? Like, he, you know, he, and I'm sure he's not alone in that locker room, know how valuable Le'Veon Bell is at the end of the day. James Conner, no, you know, no offense to him. He's been really solid, and the guy's, a, you know, all-time uh, just person. But, you know, you you know as much as anyone else that Le'Veon changes that offense immediately if, if he's able to get back on the Definitely. field. But it's weird, man. This divorce or this separation has been so long at this point now that – you got to imagine that, you know, obviously upper management is, is definitely not pleased with him and the way that him and his agent are handling this. You know, I think after week 11, I'm pretty sure there's, he has the ability to sign elsewhere. Is I don't know if I got to check my, check my facts on that. No, I, no, I they, think they, he, he just can't play if he doesn't yeah, they, sign. They have, they, have okay, the right, okay. they have the rights to him, yeah. That's, okay, that's what it is. Okay, so we'll see if he comes back. He's supposed to come back on the bye week. He ended up not reporting. Uh, to the facilities, so we'll see, man. I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is going to be playing football this year. Well, uh, Tom, is there is there any chance Larry Fitzgerald goes to the Pats? I I mean I I don't I, I probably not. Just based on everything that unfolded with Patrick Peterson today and how he's you know shaping up to be a Cardinal, I don't see Larry Fitzgerald ditching his his franchise that drafted him and 
you know, he's played and holds all these records for leaving this team. I think he's kind of at his, the end of his career. He knows it. And, you know, he's not going to ditch this team that in this city that's been, you know, so good to him over his career. It would be nice, but I don't think the Patriots necessarily need Larry Fitzgerald, and I don't. I, I just don't think he's the type of guy to do that to the city. Um, I thought the Tarod Taylor uh, pick that I threw on there was interesting. It's kind of far fetched, um, but what they were basically saying is that with Baker Mayfield kind of taking the reins in Cleveland, he's not going to be in uh, Cleveland for too much longer, uh, and so. The Jaguars, not that they necessarily need a quarterback, but I think he's a, a much <laughs> yes, better yes, presence on do. the field than Blake Bortles. But they seemingly have continuously kept him and like praised him. So I, I don't know if they're going to make that move, but it would definitely be something that they should consider, seeing as Blake Bortles is just a walking disaster. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that uh, Tarad or whatever, t- yeah, Tarad. Let's keep it at that. Um, I think he did a little bit too much damage to himself in, in his value uh, in those first couple of weeks with the Browns. So I, I think there's other quarterbacks that might be more serviceable for the Jags. You know, we said before the season that, I, you know, at least, or I shouldn't say we, I said before the season that I thought Toronto was going to, you know, be the quarterback for the season and that, he'd, you know, they'd be marginally successful because he's a, he's a kind of a game manager. He gives you the ability to get outside the pocket and run. Um, but clearly that didn't pan out very well as you saw Baker come in, I think, in week three it was. Um, so I, I just think Tyrod did too, a little bit too much damage to, to his overall value to, to make that trade worth it or to get, or for the, for the Browns to get any value back out of it. Do you guys Actually. have any thoughts on, on the Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas bit? Uh yeah, I'm happy I drafted Emmanuel Sanders because he's gonna be the guy in Denver, wide receiver one baby. Thomas sucks. Yeah, uh, I hope to God he doesn't get traded to New England. He wouldn't. No way. That's not, dude. The, the Patriots don't need a, a wide receiver at this point. That's like very far from I think their priorities. Sanders. Sanders was there was talk about Cleveland. To I mean, give I, uh, Baker another target with. Callaway, Joku, I, th- and, I think and if Landry. anyone's being traded from Denver, from Denver, it's going to be Thomas, not Sanders. Sanders is still young enough for young enough and active enough and making enough plays that he pairs well with uh, who who's their draft pick, Corey something. Oh, uh, Cortland Co- Sutton. Cortland Sutton, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, Thomas, you know, he's he's a little bit over the hump. Probably life left in him in an offense that. Um, can you know better acclimate him I, I suppose you know and let him let him get just more involved in the offense um so if anyone's uh, he's also due like 14 million dollars so it's <laughs> someone's gonna have to be willing to like pick that fucking contract up which not that many people but at the same time i mean if i'm if i'm the denver broncos i'm i just can't get rid of emmanuel sanders he's about you know the spark plug of my offense they don't have one of the top running games in the league so everything's working through him right now Speaking of wide receivers, though, uh, Amari Cooper. Yeah, uh, this was the biggest news. I think this is probably the biggest trade of the season so far um, is Amari Cooper. Outside Khalil Mack. Outside, of course, outside Khalil Mack. Um, I'm sorry, I meant in season, I guess. Uh, yeah, so Amari Cooper going to Dallas for first rounder. Um, hard to say he really won this trade quite, you know, right now. 
because there's a couple questions you know that I put out that I'm curious what you guys think, and, and one of those is is Dak Prescott good enough to kind of revive Amari Cooper's career? Because over the last you know his first two seasons, he was a kind of a you know looking like going to be a superstar in the league, and then you know last season, and, and then so far through six games this season has been uh, lackluster to, to say the least. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's a little bit of both where I, I think that Dak is still kind of torn between, like, leaning on Zeke and making sure he gets all his touches and not really having that wide receiver that, you know, can keep defenses from hopping all over the run and, and Zeke and kind of limiting their offense. And when you have to force Dak into throwing the ball, like, no, I don't think he's ready. But I think Cooper brings a nice balance to the offense and mm-hmm. – I know, you know, he's a two-time pro bowler. Like, this guy's no schmuck, and he's young, and, you know, he wants to play. Uh, but at the same time, like, this guy's also led the league in drops over the last two years. So that's obviously something he needs to figure the fuck out. But I, I, I think it's a good move um, for, for Dallas. I think it kind of answers all of these questions that Jerry Jones has been dealing with regarding, you know, why did you let go of Dez? Who's wide receiver one? Like he's he's a two time pro bowler. He is the yeah. wide receiver when, one now. When Cole Beasley is the focal point of your passing game, you you were yeah. fucked. So yeah. they obviously had to make uh make some moves there. Um they paid up because they're probably desperate, but I will say if I'm if I'm Oakland I have to think that I win this trade, you know, getting a first round pick um after as many drops as Cooper has had the last couple of years and then his production so far this year. Um, also, John Gruden, you know, 10-year contract. He's obviously thinking long-term as a coach. He now has five first-round draft picks in the in the next two drafts. Um, so, you know, it's not going to be very pretty uh, for the rest of this season, um, but that just means, you know, a, an even higher pick. So um, he's, like it's I said, he's, he's, yeah, he's playing the long game. And uh, at the same time, Dallas obviously needed a go-to wide receiver, and they 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 paid the going rate, so it may be a win-win. Yep. Mutually beneficial, right? Um, and then and then the other trade, um, and this is more personal uh, to to the New York Giants and, and my and my you know my fandom. Uh, Giants trading Eli Apple to New Orleans for fourth and seventh round fourth and seventh round pick. Uh, also, probably another win-win. I think you know the Giants at one and six now, maybe one and five. I'm sort of forgetful on that. Um, you know their season's looking bleak, and, and it's going down the going down the tube. So it's time to start kind of letting some guys go and, and getting a fourth and seventh round pick out of a guy who, through 123 games played, has 102 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and one interception. Yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with with you know dumping that. Um, and then he goes to the, uh, you know to New Orleans. Sometimes getting into a new environment can can help a player a lot, and I think that might be the case also for Amari Cooper. Um, but Eli Apple is still young, man. He's like 23 years old. Uh, good athlete. Is a 10th overall pick uh, two years ago, and so he's still got a lot left in the tank and a lot of potential to 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 be an effective cornerback. Uh, he won't be the first or, or cornerback one there because of uh, Marshawn Lattimore, but. Uh, I think it's I think it's another win-win, and then the other one uh, came this morning was Damon Snacks Harrison, uh, All-Pro defensive tackle, going to Detroit for a fifth rounder, uh, which I thought was absolutely absolute robbery uh, by Detroit uh, getting an All-Pro defensive tackle 
for a fifth round pick, you know, you, you'd like to get more. He's 29 years old, but you know, he was, you know, kind of the guy in New York, at least from a, a, a uh, you know, rushing defense perspective. So I think the Giants kind of lost out on that one. So yeah, it's tough, man. Giants are in full fire sale mode. Uh, there's talks about, you know, pretty much anyone being on the block there. So we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out. Do you think that there's any threat for Eli to be walking out that door? Um, no, to be honest. I, I think he'll f- finish out the season. I expect him to retire, hang it up, and uh, for the Giants to kind of start fresh. Word. Well, that's good to hear. Always a big Eli supporter, as always. Uh, so we will just go right into our beating the bookie uh, segment of the week. NFL picks week eight <laughs> through a good chunk of the season here. We've got a couple special picks for you. I'll turn the mic over to Harrison to kick off our first couple picks here. Tom, why don't, Tom, why don't you start us off with this uh, with our lock agreement of the week? Yeah, so I'm glad we were able to meet in the middle here again and it worked out for us last week. Uh, Patriots covered three and a half on our lock agreement. Um, and this week, we're both in agreement with this Jacksonville-Philadelphia game. Uh, and in the, in the words of Brian Keeley, you got to love a home dog, right? Mm-hmm. Got to love a home gotta dog. Got to love a home dog. I just – Philly hasn't really impressed me as of late. Their, their offense has been better um, now that Jeffrey's back and – Carson Wentz is starting to sort of find his, his footing. But Jacksonville's defense, there's there's like a sense of pride to them that I just I don't see them, you know, giving up points easily. And I as as bad as Blake Bortles has been, they got a little running back help. And I I think that they're gonna keep it close, so I'm taking Jacksonville plus three at home. You want to yeah. add to that at all, Grimes? No, no. I was just going to jump right into my next pick. Um, I like uh, Cincinnati minus four and a half versus Tampa Bay. This is going to be. I don't know if, if they'll cover by a lot here, but you know they just got blown up by Kansas City, forty-six to ten, whatever the score was. Um, but I like. You know they're going to be in Cincinnati. They're going to be back home. Um, Tampa Bay's defense is a, is is a total mess right now. Gerald McCoy is out. Quan Alexander. They're pretty much the two main. You know, people uh, on that defensive side of the ball are not going to be playing this week. So I think that Cincinnati with, you know, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and uh, Joe Mixon kind of back and getting healthy again, uh, I like, to, I like you know, them covering that four and a half. Um, you know, also to, to add on top of that, Tampa Bay just fired their defensive coordinator, so there's a lot of different changes going on there. Uh, and I'm, I'm picking A.J. Green to have a big day uh, in, in this one. So I'm I'm gonna have to lock disagreement on this one. Uh, I don't disagree with you in the fact that Cincinnati should definitely take advantage of this Tampa Bay defense. But at the same time, uh, I think Jameis Winston has played very well uh, coming back from his suspension, uh, considering the bar that was set for him by Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first few weeks of the season. And going back to last week, I think the Bengals showed that they can be. You know, if they're forced to be one-dimensional, they, they can't be stopped. Um, and I I just see this one being a shootout, and I think it's going to be closer than a two-possession game. 
So I'm going to have to fade you here and take Tampa Bay. Okay. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. We'll see. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay's offense is pretty pretty prolific. However, uh, especially against the Kansas City defense, or excuse me, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's defense is pretty, is pretty solid. Sorry, I jumped ahead for a second there. Um, but the fact that they don't really have a running game uh, scares me. You know, Peyton Barber leading the charge is really nothing to be scared about. So it'll allow Cincinnati to really focus on, on that pass defense. Um, and so I think that's going to be... You know, I think that's what's really going to make the difference in this one. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I'm going to take the tiebreaker stance and uh, side with Tom on this one. I do Sorry. like I do like that uh, Buccaneer plus four and a half move. Uh, so I'm, I would say go with that. That's okay. I like being the lone wolf. I, it actually, you know, <laughs> I I'd like to uh, do a humble brag here and just plug that I went six and zero last week, um, and I actually benefited greatly off of a five team parlay. Uh, that I hit with all my picks, so it's good play, Brent. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, Daddy. I, I guess I'll continue with these money picks. And the next pick I have is my lock of the week is the Seattle Detroit over of forty nine and a half. I I really like what Detroit has been doing lately, um, centering back around their run game. Uh, you guys might have heard me in our our preview NFL preview episode where I touted Carry On Johnson. And it seems about halfway through the season, he's found his way. And this offense is now multidimensional for the first time in I don't know how long since the the Lions have had a, a back that they can trust. But they've been scoring. And on the other side of the ball, as bad as Seattle's defense is, their offense has been surprisingly efficient. Um, they struggled earlier in the year, but they hung 27 on the Raiders a couple weeks ago. Uh, before their bye, and two weeks before that, they played the Rams, and they lost 33-31. to And so, all things considered, I think that the Seahawks team can score. I think Detroit can score more. I don't know about the spread, but I'm taking the over, and you should too. Yeah, I, I like the over in this game. Um, Seattle's averaging like 24 points a game, um, and as you, as you said, especially with the emergence of Kerryon Johnson these last few weeks... Uh, Detroit has been looking pretty prime uh, offensively. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter has got the guys looking all right. Great. Man. So yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty high scoring affair. I'm excited to see this. And uh, what's his face? Um, Tyler Lockett is back uh, and healthy. Ooh. So um, yeah, Wilson's going to have his go-to guy. So yeah, this will be a good one to watch. All right. The next one I got is uh, and this is a pick that I'm a little bit nervous about, but I, I'm sticking with I'm sticking by it. It's going to be Kansas City minus ten versus Denver, and that is in Kansas City. That's at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, they played about they played four weeks ago uh, in Denver, and, and Kansas City snuck by twenty seven twenty four. However, uh, going to be back home. Arrowhead is a really difficult place to play, and, and Kansas City seems to really thrive in that environment. Um, as you saw last week against Cincinnati. And, and I really like the way that Kareem Hunt's starting to come along. He, he kind of was a bit slow out of the gate. Um, you know, had a, he actually, last time they played Denver, he was 19, 19 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. But uh, last week versus Cincinnati, he had one rushing touchdown, two receiving. Um, and so I think he's going to be a big factor in this game. And I, I just think Andy Reid is a, he's an offensive genius, and I think he, he's going to put together a pretty good game plan to, uh, to cover that 10-point spread. Yes, I mean they I like, just they like dismantled yes. the fucking Bengals, dude. Yeah. And uh, isn't 
Eric Berry, is he coming back this week or he's, still a couple weeks I away? I think he's, he's questionable. Uh, but that would be a huge addition. And also Justin Houston is, is also questionable. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're only going to get stronger with the addition of two of their best defensive players yep. later on this season. Uh, so, Jesus. Well, uh, for, for my next play here, I'm reaching a little reaching a little bit here, maybe a little too far. But I'm going to take Oakland plus three at home against Indianapolis. Uh, we said it earlier, you got to love a home dog. And aside from everything that's happening in Oakland right now, I think Derek Carr making that, you know, I'm a Raider statement, I want to be here. The guys that are, you know, they want to be here, we're all invested. And I think this team is going to rally this week and put together a good game, especially against an Indianapolis team that is definitely vulnerable and, you know, with everything being shaken up, that might kick Oakland, you know, into gear. And I just I, – I think they play hard and you know, cover three points, um, especially with Indy coming off of a game against Buffalo. You know, you can expect that hangover similar to what we were talking about with Dallas and the Skins last week. Uh, Dallas had a big win over the Jags, and then the Skins came out and beat them. I think that same sort of thing is going to happen here. I'm taking Oakland with the points. But, you know, with a money line play, it might be nice here, too. All right. All right. Is, that home, uh, is that home advantage for the Jags? Isn't that a game abroad? Aren't they playing in London on Sunday? It's a 9.30 oh, a.m. kickoff. Are they playing in London? I didn't know that. I'm not uh, sure. I saw it was a 9.30 a.m. Right. kickoff. I'm pretty sure they're in London. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, I'm in. Row, row. I'll still, I'll still take them. Fade, fade daddy. Uh oh, I'm sticking. I'm it. sticking by it. I don't give a Just shit. Just asking if that's uh, gonna, uh, if that's going to be a fade alert. <laughs> uh, I, I know. The Brits actually love Florida teams because um, <laughs> British people love fucking vacationing in Florida. I, I feel like nice. Andrew Luck might go over there and get like two and like too into the scene of like the history that is in London and all of that and just like he might just miss the game because he's sightseeing or something. Yeah, it's a very Andrew Luck move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see how that we'll see how any, that all turns out. And, and yeah. Anywho, do you, you guys have anyway. any? Uh, I got. Any I got. Picks before we move on, I got one last one. This is a college pick, um, and this one. Uh, this is this is a pick that I'm pretty close to. Uh, it's going to be the under in the Miami and BC game. It's under 49 and a half points. Uh, current weather forecast is going to be 30s and raining, uh, and that is never conducive uh, to any offense. Um, and Miami last week put up, or not last week, two weeks ago, put up 13 points against UVA. So that shows you where their offense is at right now. Uh, and stack that with Miami's defense, which is one of the best in the nation. Uh, it's got, you know, big-time players, NFL talent players all over the place. So uh, I don't think they're going to reach that 50-point that mark. So take the hammer of the under there, really. That's a Friday night game, by the way. you got to love a little college good action. Pick. Yeah, good pick. Very nice. I, uh, um, I got, Tom. I got, I got one last one. I want to run off here. Uh, we spoke about it last week. I'm not on the Aaron Rodgers train, being you know the second coming of Christ, and I think he's in for a, a big wake up call uh, when the Rams roll into Green Bay. We get this it. Weekend. You hate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't hate him. I don't hate him. But like their offense is very hurt. He's been throwing to no name receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams is basically his only weapon. Ty Montgomery's been a non-factor, and the seven and zero Los Angeles Rams are too much for even for Aaron Rodgers. And 
I think they're just too well-rounded. Todd Gurley is going to keep Rodgers off the field, uh, and the, the Rams are going to cover 10 with ease this week. All right, interesting. Well, we hope that uh, with Harrison's record of 10-2 and two and Tom's last week of 6-0, and oh, that brings, that little, brings Tom uh, to thirteen and six on the season. Tell your put friends. a little money money bags in them pockets. Uh, secure the bag, so to say. We'll uh, go ahead and just wrap things up here with a little bit of banner. If you guys don't mind, uh, read a little bit of a story while I was on the John this afternoon. A lot of reading that went on. If you fun fact, if you didn't know, I can read. Um, Barely. So yeah, barely. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of a, a story that I found. Uh, Harrison, funnily enough, posted by Mickey uh, Minnemeyer. Uh, in 1898, an estimated 135 Indian and African workers constructing a railroad bridge in Kenya were attacked and eaten uh, by not a pack, but just two lions. Um, so this guy, Lieutenant Colonel John Patterson, was placed in charge of hunting these savages down. This guy took basically the, nine the, months. Is that to the find lions or the Kenyans? <laughs> God, Tom. <laughs> it's the lions. He went, he's going after the lions. <laughs> it took him nine months to find and track these two lions. Eventually, they had just slaughtered the entire population of this village. He shoots them, thing bleeds out, tracks him down, relocates this thing. It charges the men. He shoots this thing four times. Granted, he's already shot him, so now we're at five. Not phased. Thing keeps running at him. Runs out of ammunition. Dude bails, climbs a tree, leaves all of his troops. who are just getting slashed by paws and mauled by fucking two lions. One of his dudes throws him a rifle, pops this thing from the fucking top of the tree, faking dead. Guy drops down to come and like claim his victory. Thing stands up, starts charging him. Another four shots this lion takes before it drops 10 feet before this guy. Uh, I lost count, but I guarantee you he was shot more than 50 cents. So, uh, <laughs> goat goat, and shout out of the week goes to these uh, these lions. Not really sure how they managed to kill almost 200 people, um, but well done. Well done. I mean, that's population control, right? That's, that's like Lions not climb trees? Um, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they probably can, but having been shot already six times, it might have been a little bit of a task for him. Hmm. Um, so I think, like, honestly, the best way to wrap this story up is just to go right into would you rather lick a homeless man's armpit or chew his toenails? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Whoa, dude. I thought, okay, I saw this earlier and I, I took it as a lick a homeless man's armpit or chew, like, a rotten toenail. But this changes. No, no, no. This changes. Toenail. This changes fucking everything. Oh boy, dude! Tom, I I'll let you start. Um, I think I would probably chew on his toenail. God, gross, dude. <laughs> like, I, it, in my head, I can like take it and like bleach it, and maybe like at least you know, <laughs> it's not gonna kill me. It's not gonna be pleasant by any means, bro. But uh, at least I like if I lick his armpit. There might be some something on there that might kill me. Uh, Harry, I, pr- I probably dude, won't lick the armpit. Dude, I gotta be the fucking tiebreaker in this one, bro. Do you, <laughs> under- yo, do you understand that 
I live in like the homelessness capital of the United States. Uh, in the in the, yeah. in the in the in the now what is it the the poo poo capital of of the United States because there's all this, all this human yeah, yeah. shit on the sidewalks. God damn, that's great! It's it's gonna be dude. In your head I now, dude, funny how you move around. there and then it immediately becomes the poo poo capital. I know of the it, world. It, it it must it must be me. Uh, so we got two we got two armpit lickers and one chew, uh, toenail chewer. What are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck you guys. Um, this is way too close to home. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess okay, I'll pick one. I guess I'll lick his armpit. I just don't want to side with Tom here. Su- suck on some toes, Fade Tom. Tom. Fade yeah, Tom. Give me them toes. Mm. You guys are about to take your picks this week from somebody who's chewing on a homeless man's toes. But uh, thanks for sticking through on that, everybody that's listening. Uh, wrap this up with my entertainment segment. I did this two episodes ago. Um, as I said, I've got a lot of spare time, watched a lot of TV. So recently I've been binging Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat. Give it a 7 out of 10. reason why is not too fucking fond of the lead. Don't really dig her. She kind of fucking irks me a little bit annoying, but makes some banging-ass dishes, goes to some super cool places, uh, really entertaining watch, so make sure to check it out. Those are literally the four ingredients they say that are the only necessities in cooking. Everything else is just fucking shenanigans. Shenanigans! Erroneous. So Erroneous on uh, all next, counts. <laughs> erroneous on all counts. Next up is the 90s. They've done this through several eras, but uh, CNN documentary about the 90s, as all products of the 90s, I suggest you go and check it out. Pretty cool stuff everywhere from NWA to Bill and Monica and the White House. So all very CNN good stuff. is uh, fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> if you have the time, check it out. If not, fade Brent. Um, so we'll just go ahead and wrap it up with some buzzer beaters tonight. Harrison's got something special for us. Yeah, it's not even that special, but I think it's a big story that that's worth noting considering we're a sports uh, podcast, and that is uh, Demetrius Johnson, better known as Mighty Mouse uh, of the UFC, is in talks to be traded um, to one championship, which is Asia, a, excuse me, Asia's largest sports media company on a mission to celebrate the true beauty of martial arts through the, the development of global superheroes. Uh, I did not come up. I did not come up with that. That was taken from their website, as you can probably imagine. Um, and this all kind of came following the loss to uh, Henry Cejudo. Uh, this was uh, Mighty Mouse held the 125 pound belt for six years. Uh, one of the most dominant UFC fighters to ever. Uh, be in that promotion uh, for the last decade or so, and you know this kind of is all on the on the backside of uh, he was he felt like he was being mistreated by the UFC, and so now he's going to be traded for some guy who fights for one championship right now. Uh, pretty big news though for the UFC. Uh, there's a there's a lot of turmoil you know between the Khabib and McGregor stuff and John Jones and and now Mighty Mouse. So uh, definitely worth paying attention to and, and kind of keeping a tab if you're uh, if you're a fan of of mixed martial arts. Tommy Lasagna, what do you got for us? Uh, I just wanted to give a quick happy birthday shout out to my homie, uh, my roommate, and avid day one end of regulation listener, Weston Eldridge. Happy 27th, my man. Uh, go Sox. Nice. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll take over the reins and give a quick shout out, even though he doesn't listen, so I can call him a fucking sack of shit. Michael Perry is 26 years old. Shout out, kid. And uh, Perry. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And uh, that's all I got for you. So, Brent, why don't you close us out tonight with something special, brother? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have anything super special, Whoa. but uh, <laughs> don't forget it. hockey, man. People are playing yeah. hockey. <laughs> it's a good time. You should be watching the NHL. Uh, turns out the Preds are top of the point standings. Um, lots of people looking good this year, though. Uh, Colorado Avalanche have completed their turnaround. They're a dominant team now. Uh, Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews doing his fucking thing. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who are obviously young and powerful. So, great, great season so far. Watch the NHL. Is this, is this the Preds year? This is the Preds year. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Go Predators. It was a pleasure. Make sure to check out our new website, and we will always keep you posted on everything good that is sports and entertainment. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Here's something funky.
Andrew, Shikindro, Ayan. 